Hi, I'm Shekhar Gupta and I bring to you a fresh episode of Cut the Clatter. What I will do today is start out by reading out a couple of paras for you. I will read a couple of paras for you. You might figure out what this is about and possibly many of you might wonder wherein may lie a little bit of mystery and maybe a little bit of clutter also because what we are talking about has a great deal of clutter and, and a great deal of complexity and many layers which, which, which involve our politics, history, faith, spirituality, culture, everything, you know what I am talking about. So let me, let me read out these paras for you and what I will do is that as I read along, I might cheat a little bit. Cheat in the sense that I might, I might swallow a word, swallow or maybe hold back leave a blank but I will not tell you where the blank is not just now maybe in the course of time so here we go and this is this is the first passage I am reading obviously it's a passage from a speech delivered not yet delivered I leave it I, I leave it to you to guess it could be it could be a speech anywhere right now I am not telling you what it is as you can see I have I have audience and we have audience so this goes this is Mr. Laddu while the external symbols of a national faith may be destroyed, nothing can destroy the fountains of that faith. It was for this reason that in spite of having numerous calamities, there always remained in the hearts of the Indian people an undying faith and respect for this temple. It was their determination to build this temple every time it was destroyed that they went along, that they went on doing so from time to time. Uh, then I go to another para and it says, We hear the hum of a vast crowd of men and women gathered here from all parts of the country at this moment when this historic temple is coming to life again. In my opinion, we are having the good fortune of witnessing this sacred scene simply because of the creative urge and undying faith which dwell in the heart of man just as Brahma the creator dwells on the lotus of Lord Vishnu. And I carry on, obviously not my lines, this faith and creative energy are more powerful than all the weapons, all the armies and all the emperors of this world by rising from the ashes again. This temple is so to say proclaiming to the world that no man and no power in the world can destroy that for which people have boundless faith and love in their hearts. We are reinstalling the idol today and it is my conviction that as long as it has its place and foundation, that it will live as long as it has its place and foundation in the hearts of the people. Now, what are we talking about and what is it and where are the areas where I cheated? I cheated only by keeping two words back, the same word twice and that word is the name of the temple because this is a speech that could be delivered at the opening of the, at the consecration of the Ram temple in Ayodhya. Now, definitely that speech or any such speech will not, will not be delivered in English. And second, that speech as we record this and as we publish this is yet to be delivered because consecration is yet to take place. So what is this speech and what are we talking, uh, talking of? This is the speech that Dr. Rajendra Prasad delivered on 11th of May. These passages are from the speech that Dr. Rajendra Prasad delivered on 11th of May 1951 while consecrating the rebuilt Somnath Temple. 
as you know there was controversy about it sardar patel wanted the temple rebuilt it was rebuilt at the time of independence it was it was lying in ruins it was re rebuilt sardar patel wanted that jawarlal nehru disagreed because we thought that this would amount to sort of opening reopening old wounds Sub the subcontinent was also going through hindu muslim riots Sardar Patel was no more. He passed away. He died early after independence. But the project was completed. A trust had been set up. Money had been raised. A project has been had been completed. Dr. Rajendra Prasad, as the president, wanted to go and inaugurate it. Jawaharlal Nehru did not like the idea. Nevertheless, Rajendra Prasad did go there and he delivered this speech. He delivered this speech, which. given the given the really rough politics of those times and really within india was india was a work in progress and because india was a work in progress in the ideology the indian nationalism was still something which was contested from 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 ideas that ranged from far right to the far left and it was in that it was in that contestation that that the question question came up on whether a nation a new republic a secular republic should celebrate first of all should rebuild an old temple rebuild a destroyed old temple with a very with a very complicated history and with a very unhappy and violent history and second even if it's built should its head of state and should its key public figures go and be at its inauguration or consecration those are the questions that came up in 1951 those are the questions that have assailed india right through the right through the reopening of the issue of the ram mandir this reopening i would say started somewhere around 1986 1987 that that is that is shortly after rajiv gandhi first made his misstep over the shabano case and then we know what happened after that the shabano case he changed the law to set aside or to defy a supreme court order giving alimony to shabano because because it was supposedly against the islamic law islamic family law personal law second he made india the first country first democratic country for sure to ban salman rushdie's satanic verses and some such missteps happened and then he tried to rectify that by overcorrecting on the other side overcorrecting is something that his supporters say by letting by letting the locks of the shrine what was then a disputed shrine in ayodhya to be open and also also paving the way for prayers to begin and ultimately the shilanyas or the foundation stone laying since then this has been the dispute in india first of all should you should you open up wounds of the past second does a community ha have the, have the right to restore to itself what it believes was taken away now if you haven't seen the i haven't introduced the other ones to, uh, other ones to you who have been walking in and out so the jet black one is mr miku and and the sort of gray white one is sheru sheru is not really not, not quite a tiger he is the most he is the most cautious of the lot and, and the shyest of the lot that said that is the debate which goes on now the reason we are quoting this speech from dr rajendra prasad is that the issues are, have remained the same and this speech what he said then had shown us the way on what could be done or what could have been if this approach had been followed maybe indian polity would have 
evolve in a different direction and maybe Indian secularism would have evolved in a different direction. And it's a it's a matter of conjecture, it's a matter of matter of debate and the reason I am mentioning all of this is that this is the time for us to reflect on all this. It's a matter of debate that if this, if this approach had been followed, the Rajendra, Dr. Rajendra Prasad, Sadar Patel, Kanhaiyalal, Maniklal Munshi, had that approach been followed and India had not Indian democracy and Indian constitutional liberalism had not swerved as far left as it did in the 50s and then subsequently in the late 60s under Indira Gandhi and yet again post Narsema Rao. Post Narsema Rao because the Congress party then under Sonia Gandhi thought that the biggest crime committed by the party or under the watch of the party was the destruction of the Barbary Masjid. It was a crime. It was a terrible act of violence and, and defiance of the rule of law and constitution. That is something the senior most leaders of the BJP said at that point of time. Those, those of whom who are still around, Mr. Advani, Dr. Murli Manohar Joshi may not say so now, but at that point they all said so. But the post Narsema Rao Congress party or the Congress party after Sonia Gandhi took over the party has taken the view that it was this destruction of the Babri Masjid that, that, that took away its credentials of being a secular party, also, also that it lost it the Muslim vote, at least in the Hindi heartland. Those are the complexities that we are dealing with. So once again, what do we do? We again go into a little more, a little more deeper, a little deeper into the speech. This speech, by the way, was then banned by All India Radio, AIR as it was called. It, it, it was not shown there because again it was seen as too polarizing or again too, too provocative at that point. Because remember this is 1951, the wounds of partition are still, are still live, are they, are, they are still bleeding. This is the era of the Nehru Liaquat Ali Pact. We know the things that are happening between India, Pakistan and, and the accession of Kashmir. This was a very complicated time, but more importantly, this was a larger argumentation over what kind of secular constitutionalism and secular nationalism will India build. What happened in the process was that the side that side side that was left of center on, on the social cultural side. Ultimately, it also became the side, side that won on the economic side. So the side that represented the left on the socio-cultural side won. That's why, why, that's why while the Somnath temple was inaugurated, the speech was not broadcast on All India Radio. And then we know 51 onwards what happened. Indian politics and polity took a strong leftward tilt and that's how in the foundations of Indian socialism were laid and that's where Nehru also said the dams that I'm building, the projects that I'm building, these are the temples of modern India. So that's, that was the rationalist view that believed now it turns out and there will be a bit of opinion or more than a bit of opinion as we go along in this episode of Karta Clutter. There was more than there was a lot of wishful thinking that somehow this new nationalism built around development growth humanism or maybe or maybe a kind of globally a non-aligned globalism that will define the indian nationalism 
the lesson of those 70-75 years is that culture runs very deep in people's minds and hearts. And no matter what you do, culture doesn't go away. And we, we saw this happen in the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union had communist rule for such a long time, there was no religion. And then as the communist, communist rule ended, religion came right back. So in fact, the church and Putin now work closely together. Similarly, we have seen many of the countries of Central Asian Republics, many of the Central Asian Republics. Again, Islam in these countries had been put down. In most of these, it continues to remain put down. But at the same time, we can see that the rulers there are afraid that the moment they lose their dictatorial power, the faith and the culture will make a comeback. So that is a tussle. Can you have secular constitutionalism by asking people to put their religion aside. The lesson, at least for India now, is that it is not possible. So let me go to a couple of more passages from this very speech. He says, on this sacred and historic occasion, it is desirable for all of us to realize the great secret of spiritual faith, that to have a glimpse of God or truth, it is not necessary for all men. These were, this was not an era we, we were conscious of pronouns. Of this sacred and historic occasion, it is desirable for all of us to realize the great secret of spiritual faith that to have a glimpse of God or truth, it is not necessary for all men, that is Miss Tara. Uh, it is not necessary for all men to follow one and only one path. On the contrary, if man devotes himself with all love and faith to the service of his fellow human beings and if he dedicates himself to the establishment of the kingdom of love and beauty of this earth, he would surely be able to realize God, whatever may be the manner of his worship. Once again, how is this also not a discourse for Indian secularism, except that this chooses a different path to Indian secularism from what Nehru might have chosen, what Indira Gandhi might have followed at least for some time, although she always stayed close to her Hindu faith never said one rude thing, one thing that will upset the larger Hindu majority. As I said earlier in a National Interest article, never even attacked the BJP as a Hindu party, only called it a Hindu, Baniya party. And later, as Sonia Gandhi took over, in the wake of 1992, and because she and the establishment in the Congress party, then also represented by Arjun Singh and others, late Arjun Singh and others, they then decided or they figured that the best thing for them to blame for all their, all, their, all their misfortunes, for their loss of power, was to blame Narsema Rao. And what were Narsema Rao's crimes? One crime, of course, was that he reformed the economy, he normalized relations with Israel. But those were still relatively minor things. The big crime, quote-unquote, in his case was that he allowed Babri Masjid to be demolished. And then the idea come up that a temple could be built in its place because everybody knew that once the mosque had been demolished, it was going to be impossible to rebuild the mosque again. And in the course of time, maybe, maybe the Congress and the other secular parties would not have imagined that a temple will come up, Ram Temple will come up there in their lifetimes. But definitely it gave hope, it gave hope and optimism to the supporters of the idea of rebuilding the temple or turning the clock back or righting the wrongs of the past. That is the side of the BJP, RSS, represented by 
VHP in this case, Vishwa Hindu Parishad. And it is the, it is the, what, what we are seeing right now is a culmination of that process. Yet again, we go back to Dr. Rajendra Prasad. He says the great, this great truth, remember, I just mentioned the great truth according to Dr. Rajendra Prasad. He said, he said if a man devotes himself with all, all love and faith to the service of his fellow beings and if he dedicates himself to the establishment of the kingdom of love and beauty on the earth, he would surely be able to realize God, whatever may be the manner of his worship. He then goes on to say, this great truth had been perceived by our ancient seers and they had proclaimed it to mankind. They had consistently declared that though, that though he, he with a capital H, that though he is one, yet the wise describe him, again him with a, with a capital H, the wise describe him in many ways and by many names. Ishwara Allah Tero Naam, I am adding that. Similarly, according to the Mahabharat, Dr. Rajendra Prasad says, all paths lead to God just as all rivers flow to the ocean. And then he says, unfortunately, this great truth of life and faith was not properly grasped by people in many ages, which led to very destructive and terrible wars between different countries and peoples. Now, this is very different from the kind of history we have been taught over the decades that followed that followed that era because then history history taught us my generation maybe generation before mine just a little bit before mine and the generations that followed mine they were all taught a different kind of history all these a lot of these wars were airbrushed a lot of, or at least that is what people on the cultural right would think that these that this history was airbrushed and and somehow there was a belief if we were kept away from our of our past if we were not if we were taught that we could be trained or we could be i don't want to use the word indoctrinated but it was close to that if we could be in trained to forget our past and make a make a new beginning remember that line chodo kal ki baatein kal ki baat purani right to chodo kal ki baatein it was a good idea, interesting idea, uh, sound idea, but it wasn't a durable idea because people can't forget their past. People carry their past with them and that's why you find people remember the glories of their past, but more than that, they remember the humiliations of their past. That's why you find that most communities in the world, most faiths in the world observe with great solemnity the great tragedies and excesses and humiliations of their past, Jews, Muslims, Christians, not so much right now, and increasingly the Hindus as well. Except for a long time, it was it was subdued. It's then been rising and it's been finding expression since the rise of the BJP and since the rise of the Sangh Parivar, because the BJP then also produced many offshoots. It was part of creative politics that took this idea forward. So the battle that has gone on in the past 35-40 years was as much a battle of politics as it was a battle of culture and a battle over history. Yet again, what do we do? We keep going back to Dr. Rajendra Prasad because it is this speech that teaches us a lot about India, Indian secularism, the idea of India's founders. I don't say founding fathers because there were also some wonderful, brilliant women also in that group. 
but this was this was an approach to indian constitutional secularism that was dif different from the nehruvian approach which endured for the following many decades and he goes on to say it is plain therefore that religious intolerance cannot have any other consequence but to produce bitterness and immorality among men this is the lesson of history i would like all my countrymen to grasp firmly in our country particularly it is very necessary that each one of us should realize that the best course is to act with a sense of respect and equally towards every community and creed in it lies the welfare of our nation and country and every one of us how can you fault it on on the touchstone of secularism this speech is as secular as anything you can hear and then he goes on to say something very interesting he says even though i am a sanatanist hindu by faith in fact i haven't seen a senior congress leader say that for a long time until until somebody stood up and said that rahul gandhi is a is a brahmin and also is a janeudhari brahmin and also also told us about his gotra and also he made his temple visits for a long time this line was missing so dr rajendra prasad goes on to say even though i am a sanatanist hindu by faith and daily practice yet yet i believe that every man can reach god by worshiping him according him again h capital worshiping him according to the dictates of his own faith not only have i respect for all religions and their places of worship but i also go to them to pay my respects wherever possible whenever there is an opportunity i go to the dargah and the masjid the church and the gurdwara with the same feeling of respect with which i go to the temples of my faith and then another line from him which could be spoken at this consecration he says the present celebration in my view proclaims this very truth it is very plain today that the policy of religious intolerance has always been and shall ever continue to be a failure see the politics there what is he saying so what he is saying is that what happened in the past that is the destruction of the somnath temple multiple times that was that was a case of religious intolerance and that has proved to be a failure and shall always remain a failure but for you to say that you have to first accept that there was religious intolerance in the past and some things happened that should not have happened then again says dr rajendra prasad i would i would also like you to realize that the restoration of this broken link of history so once again this broken link of history does it apply to ayodhya or not think about it i would also like like you to realize that the restoration of this broken link of history does not and cannot first of all i asked you tell me whether what's happening at ayodhya restores a broken link of history or not chances are most of you many of you maybe most of you would have said yes and then i complete the rest of the sentence i told you i'll cheat a little bit today and hold back occasionally just to just to maybe bait you a couple of times he says i would also like you to realize that the restoration of this broken link of history does not and cannot imply that we are making or we should make an effort to reestablish in our country the psychological cultural social and religious conditions which existed here in the centuries that are past which means if i translate this in modern terms this means it's all right building of this temple in ayodhya restores a link a broken link with the past but it does not mean that you are installing or you are proclaiming a new republic based on one faith in this case hinduism or hindutva so 
Once again, while the construction of this temple restores a broken link with the past, it does not mean that this proclaims or this should be or can be used to proclaim a Hindu Rashtra. That is the implication of what he is saying. And then he says, it is no doubt possible for men to turn back. We see that happening in many countries which have made faith the basis of their nationalism and their politics. I am adding this. That was also the idea behind my national interest this week of which I will share a link again with you. He says, and I repeat again, it is no doubt possible for a man to turn back, but it is not given to a man to return to the moment that has passed away. In the world of time, man has no option but to continue marching forward. Indeed, he may look behind to get some light and guidance for the future, but he can never return. Once again, a lesson that we need to remember as, as we observe the consecration of the temple in Ayodhya. And he says, today our attempt is not to rectify history, not to rectify history. Our only aim here is to proclaim anew our attachment to the faith. Very important. This could be a speech delivered at Ayodhya now. Our only aim is to proclaim anew our attachment to the faith, convictions and to the values on which our religion has rested since immemorial ages. We also proclaim to the world that the great truth of spiritual life teaches that every individual should have full independence and opportunities for rising to the highest glory of life to which his experience and natural talents entitle him. And then he says, on this sacred occasion, it is the duty of each one of us to take a pledge that just as we, just as we have restored this historic temple, a symbol of our ancient faith, you can, you can add which temple it is, the name of the temple, so also would we put new life into the temple of prosperity of our people. Then he makes some other very, very interesting references with which I will conclude this very unconventional, very unusual episode of Cut the Clutter. He says, in the past, our country was the industrial center of the civilized world. Caravan loads of manufactured goods from this country used to go to distant lands. Gold and silver used to flow into our coffers in exchange for our goods. Our exports were then very large while imports were very small. Naturally, India of those days had become the home of gold and silver. In my view, he said, the restoration of this temple, okay, in this case, this temple of Somnath, it could be this temple of Ayodhya, if we take, if we take it in the right spirit. In my view, the restoration of this temple of Somnath would not be complete on the day when a fine building would have been constructed on these foundations, not just the building. It would be complete and there is a reason I say that he uses very interesting lines there. It's a very, very significant reference. And he says, it would be complete only when the temple of our prosperity, of which the temple of Somnath was but an external symbol, has been erected. In other words, the restoration of this temple would be complete only when we raise the level of, level of our culture to such a degree that if a modern Al-Biruni, remember Al-Biruni? Al-Biruni was a polymath, chronicler who came with Mahmud of Ghazni, who is, who is known to have demolished the temple of Somnath multiple times or is who's believed to have demolished their arguments, who is believed to have demolished the temple at Somnath multiple times. So, if Dr. Rajendra Prasad goes back and brings in Al-Biruni's name, Al-Biruni is the one who came with Ghazni and wrote those long detailed chronicles of what India was like at that point and also 
wrote high praises of India's prosperity, India's intellectual wealth, India, both India's material and intellectual wealth at that point of time. So he makes a reference to him at the, at the consecration of the Somnath temple. So he says, and I begin with the sentence, with the same sentence, in other words, the restoration of this temple would be complete only when we raise the level of our culture to such a degree that if a modern Al-Biruni sees our country, he would express himself about our culture in the same eloquent terms in which a thousand years ago, Al-Biruni had expressed himself about India of his day. So once again for him to hark back to Al-Biruni and times of Mahmud of Ghazni, so he was not trying to reopen old wounds. In fact, his message also was that, look, first of all, accept that they were, they were excesses in the past. Please accept that there was violence in the past. Once you accept that, and then you try and restore what you can, you try and restore what you can. But this begins with first accepting the truth. That is a kind of truth and reconcil reconciliation process. Once you accept that, then the reconstruction, the rebuilding, the rebuilding of the nation towards prosperity and also reconciliation among communities can also start because unless you accept what the problem is, how can you find solutions? I am now oversimplifying this. Then, of course, he concluded his speech by, by, by invoking Sardar Patel. He said the work of restoration had been started by Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel. He played a pro prominent part in weaving the scattered parts of India into a common whole. An idea had occurred to him that this symbol of the ancient faith of India should be restored to commemorate the restoration of Indian unity. By the grace of God, this dream of Sardar has been fulfilled to a certain extent, but it, it would have been realized fully only when, the, when prosperity is restored to our people. So, I conclude this speech here. So, what is the lesson now? That this temple in Ayodhya has come up. It has come up through a constitutional, the mosque was not, the mosque, Babri Masjid was not demolished through a constitutional and lawful process. It was demolished through an unconstitutional and unlawful process. Finally, however, the Supreme Court has spoken. A temple has been built, a mosque will be built some distance, of, some, some distance away. So as far as the faith and culture is concerned and as far as a very large community's sense of hurt across many centuries of history is concerned, that has been addressed to quite some extent. That happened, it is time, I am now back to opinion, since that has happened, it is time now to move on. It is time now to move on. This is not a time for triumphalism, Hindu triumphalism or Muslim defeatism, any such thing. The most ideal of all worlds now, this temple will be celebrated, people will go there. In the course of time, a mosque will be built and the two communities will then move on. Most importantly, the government and the establishment will carry on functioning like the government of every Indian, not the government of any particular faith.